Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message and God bless. This week we're starting our Christmas series, The Gifts of Christmas. Uh, We'll be uh, doing this each week until the 26th of December, so I encourage you to invite someone to come out and be a part and participate and enjoy this series with us. And today's message is the gift of expectancy hiding baby Jesus. The gift of expectancy hiding baby Jesus. Now, uh, as the Uh, The person in the video said that they began decorating for Christmas the minute they had put all their Thanksgiving stuff away, right? Uh, In our house, for many years, it was our tradition that the day after Thanksgiving, uh, we would put up our Christmas tree and put up our Christmas decorations, and we would do that all on that Friday after Thanksgiving. Uh, And then in about the last mm, three to four years, uh, my wife is getting into the Christmas spirit a bit earlier than that. And she starts putting stuff up usually the week of Thanksgiving or a little bit prior to Thanksgiving. I'll come out and look and all of a sudden the living room Christmas tree will be up and and decorated in the window. And she'll start putting out her little knickknacks and all of her stuff uh, because she's excited about uh, Christmas. I don't know if you've got traditions in your house where, you know, no Christmas music until after uh, Thanksgiving. You know, I will be honest with you. I do not like turning on my radio to 97.1 and hearing Christmas music before Thanksgiving. And I certainly don't like going in in October and seeing them taking down all the stuff and going straight to Christmas. It's just something inside of me, you know. And we, you know, you, you may be someone who's all up for that Christmas in July, start decorating and Chris, you know, Christmas in July, or you may be that person who waits till uh, after Thanksgiving. But whatever the case may be, the question for us is: What do we do with Jesus? What do we do with Jesus uh, in the story? The uh, gentleman talks about how uh, it had become humdrum and they were treating Jesus just like another ornament when they were putting out the nativity scene. And so he decides that he's going to hide it. And it was funny because I was uh, preparing uh, and studying for this message. Uh, We had put out, Kelly had already put out one of our nativity scenes. I don't know. I've lost track how many she's got set up in various places in the house. She's got them in every room. And Ruth even has a little baby, uh, you know, uh, Playmobil uh, nativity scene that she's plays with. And uh, so, but I noticed I was sat down on the couch this week, uh, taking a break from work. I think it was Wednesday. And I look up and in one of our nativity scenes, it looked like Jesus was missing. And I thought, are you kidding me? I'm studying for this this week. And now Jesus is missing from the nativity scene. And the truth is we thought for sure Ruth had taken him. And put him somewhere. So we checked. She likes to hide things in Kelly's plants inside the house. So I checked there. We were looking under the furniture and the couch cushions and checking all the places she may have put him. 
Uh, and then I, I'm sitting on the couch after falsely accusing her. And Curtis says, is, is over. And he says, Dad, she's, Mary's holding baby Jesus. So when I walk up to it, it just so happens that in this nativity scene, instead of him being in the manger, uh, Mary's actually holding him. But because there was no manger and no Jesus, I thought he was missing. <laughs> right? Uh, and uh, so we had that little adventure in our house, searching all over the place and for baby Jesus. And uh, you know, when Ruth came over the next time, I said, Ruth, where did you hide Jesus? You know, and uh, but, uh, you know, it was just this cute little thing. And I thought it was interesting how that happened this week. Um, you know, the word Advent means arrival. And it's uh, when you're looking for something to arrive, it's looking with expectation. Right. Uh, so if you have family that you haven't seen in a while coming in, you're excited. You're expecting them to get here and it builds up some anticip anticipation and, ex and excitement. Right. And so that's, there's a, a sense of expectation that comes with expecting something to arrive with the arrival of something. And Advent means arrival. In fact, uh, when I was a kid and they still have them today, uh, we had Advent calendars. Right. Um, when we were little, mom had a really cool homemade uh, advent calendar and she put little things for each day uh, for Charlie and I stick of gum or a little piece of candy or something in there. And each day, Charlie and I would go get our piece and we count down the days to Christmas. Nowadays, uh, you've got the, uh, uh, the paper things that have a chocolate for each day. Right. You find the day and you take out the piece of chocolate and and, uh, you know, counting down from the first of December to the 25th of December. You're counting down for a reason, right? There's a reason why you are have that. Now your children are counting down to Christmas morning for presents. To wake up Christmas morning and to look under the tree and see all the presents that they have that waiting for them to open. They finally get to unwrap that anticipation of knowing that day is coming and waiting for the arrival of Christmas Day. But what are you and I anticipating? What are you and I expecting? What are you and I waiting for the arrival of? And how are we showing that to our children? I'm not telling you to go hide baby Jesus this year, but I'm saying that we need to do an introspection on who God is, who Jesus is, so that he doesn't become just another ornament at Christmas time. In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, the Bible says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen carefully. For I promise you to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Baby Jesus was not hidden on that Christmas day. He came in quietly. He was born in a stable. He was born in a manger. But God appeared to some shepherds through angels. He had the angels appear to them and invite them to come find baby Jesus. Invite them to come and worship Christ, the new Messiah. And so God invited them on this hunt to find Jesus. And they would find him, the Bible says, 
in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths, wrapped in cloth lying in a manger. In fact, uh, this treasure hunt, if you will, led to the greatest gift in all, all of history, the gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. It was anything but ordinary. Even though Jesus was born in a lowly stable and the feeding trough of animals, God ensured that his son was honored. God ensured that people knew and that the story would be shared, that the greatest gift the world had ever seen had been sent that night. And he did so by having angels appear to these shepherds and inviting them to come and see the Savior. Now, those shepherds had a choice to make. They could either stay and be worried about the sheep that they were tending. Remember, the sheep were their livelihood. The sheep were critical to how they fed their families. The sheep meant everything to them. And the protection of those sheep were critical. But they made a decision to leave the sheep in the pasture and go find the baby in the manger. Will you and I choose to leave the hustle and bustle of this season and the focus on gifts and the focus on celebrations and the focus on all of these extracurricular things? Leave those things behind as God invites you and I to rediscover Jesus Christ not as an ornament, but as the Savior of the world. Leave behind all of the distractions, all of the things that are on the periphery and find Christ. Discover Christ. And the shepherds leaving their flocks is what is represented in the nativity scene. Exactly as the angels spoke, what you've got probably setting in your home, what'll be setting out in the foyer at some point, that Mary, Joseph, little baby Jesus in the manger with the shepherds. Because the shepherds were obedient, not only did they come and worship the Savior, but they also went and told everyone what they had seen and heard they trumpeted the savior to the world they hurried off they located mary and joseph and they found the baby lying in a manger understand this that when we seek god god never leads his creation his people on wild goose chases he didn't bait and switch the shepherds by saying that jesus would be in a stable lying in a manger and jesus wasn't there he didn't give them wrong directions he sent them to the savior my dad used to play this game and i played it with my kids growing up you probably played it with your kids, where dad would take a piece of butterscotch candy, which happened to be his favorite, and it was my favorite because he always had it with him. And he would take it and he would put one in his hand and have us pick a hand, right? 
Did you ever play that game with your kids or anyone play that? And we'd pick wrong, usually, never get it on the first try, but eventually we'd get the correct one and we'd get the piece of butterscotch candy. I played that with my kids, not with butterscotch candy, but with a toy or a ball or something else where you have your kids. But it would be, it's not after like five times that your kid doesn't get it right that you say, well, that's just life, son. Sometimes you don't get what you want. You know what I mean? What parent does that? What parent makes a decision that uh, after not seeing, you're not getting it right, they're like, well, too bad for you, and put the toy away or the candy back in their pocket, or worse yet, has two empty hands. <laughs> right? It just says, sometimes you don't get what you want, kid. Sorry your disappointment. Life's, life's, uh, sorry you're disappointed. Life's filled with disappointment. Right? But God isn't that way. God doesn't do that. When he invites you and I to know the Savior of the world, when he invites you and I to seek him, he isn't trying to hide Christ. He isn't trying to withhold good gifts from his children. He doesn't want us going on some weird scavenger hunt, but he puts Jesus right out there for us to find. To discover anew. You don't have to look very far to see Jesus. Not just at this time of year, but all year long. Amen. He's in the heavens every time you look at the sun and the moon and the stars. He's in the, every time you look at the trees, he created them. Yeah. Every time you have peace in the midst of the storm, that's Jesus. Every time that you could come into God's house and worship him, that's because of Jesus. Every time that you could pray and talk to him directly and not go through some system or sacrificial system, that's because of Jesus. All year long, we're reminded of Christ. And this morning, if you're hurting and you're suffering and you're afraid, Jesus is right there to be found. Whatever you're facing today, sickness, pain, fear, depression, anxiety, God isn't hiding from you. He's standing right there beside you. As we sang this morning, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're never, never alone. God is inviting you to call upon him. James 1.17 says, All good gifts and every perfect gift is from above. They come down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now that lets us know first and foremost that everything that is good comes from God. And it also lets us know that God is a giver of good gifts. And as our father, he wants to give you good gifts. He gave the gift of his son, Jesus Christ on Calvary. And he also wants to bless you and give you and I meet our needs according to his riches and glory. Be there for us, support us, give us peace, give us comfort, give us joy, give us healing, give us relief, give us 
what we need to hold on to him. And we must recognize that that gift comes from him. Every good gift, the roof over your head, the clothes on your back, the food on your table, the car that you're driving, the job that you have, your good relationships, your spouse, whatever, every good gift in your life comes from God. And that phrase there, he's the father of lights that James uses, was an ancient Jewish term. It referred to God as the one who created everything. The heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars. The father of lights, the creator of everything. He hung the sun in its place. And if the creator of everything, the one who created all that you see, the air that you breathe, created everything, loves you as a child. He is fully capable of giving you everything that you need to sustain you, to keep you. Many times we have this view of God that he doesn't love us, that he's so far away. For years I struggled and sometimes still struggle that Seeing God as some great cosmic killjoy waiting for me to mess up and strike me with lightning. Right? Many times in the churches that we grew up in or through our circumstances, the way that we were taught, whatever the case may be, we begin to see God not as loving and caring, but we see him as distant and angry and judgmental. But God is none of those things. The God of the Bible that's revealed to us is a God of love and grace and mercy. And because he's the creator of everything, And he wants to give good gifts. He will ensure that those gifts get to you. Just call upon his name. Matthew chapter 7 verses 9 through 11 says, If there is any among you, if the son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If, If you then... Although you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If you and I know what it is to give good gifts to our children, what that means is that we want the best for our children. This isn't about just spoiling our kids. Mm -hmm. My kids are spoiled rotten. I will not deny it. I was spoiled rotten, right? They don't go without anything. They get whatever they want whenever they want it, right? We we spoiled them as kids growing up. But what we're talking about here isn't God spoiling us and just giving us everything on demand. What we're talking about is a father giving gifts that the child requires. That's why it said a loaf of bread, right? Giving the gifts that that child needs to survive. That doesn't mean you're going to drive a Cadillac. That doesn't mean you're going to drive an Escalade. That doesn't mean that you or I am going to have a mansion on the hill. That doesn't mean that we're going to be eating T-bone steaks every night of the week. That doesn't mean we're going to have all of the things that we want. But what it does mean, our Father who gives good gifts will make sure that we have everything that we need. Right? He makes sure that we have everything that we need. But this verse gets corrupted because in our human selfishness, we, can, can, uh, we conflate 
what is needed versus what we want. And we confuse our wants with our needs. God never promises to give us everything that we want. But he does promise to give us everything that we need. And as we talked about, uh, not yeah, last week, that we were predestined to be made in the image of his son. And that is what God desires for all of us. And whatever we need, he will gift to us to be made in the image of his son. He promises to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. That means God will give you everything you need to be everything he has called you to be. Clothing, roof over your head, food on your table. But it also means you're going to go through bad stuff sometimes. But he will, because he is a good father, a loving father, a caring father, he will be there with us every step of the way. And he promises us that we will not be destroyed. While you may take a beating, you and I may stub a toe, get a punch, get a bruise, get a black eye. Sometimes it feels like the, we're like the, uh, that uh, guy on the road got beat up, right, and left for dead. That's how bad our circumstances are. We don't know how we're going to get out of it. But God is always there. He promises in his word that he's always there. He'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. He'll never turn away from us. Because he loves us. He cares for us. And he wants to make sure that you have everything you need. God gives us what we need as we're facing circumstances and problems so we can become who he wants us to be. And if you and I will look at our problems and our pain and our suffering from that perspective, that God loves us and he's changing us and uh, molding us into the image of his son and he has a purpose for us, it should change our view of when we're facing difficulty. Easier said than done, but always remind yourself of this. God loves you. God cares for you, and God has a plan for your life. He that has started a good work in you will ensure that it is completed. Someone needs to hear that today. The one who started a good work in you, he promises that he will complete it. Receive that today. And know this, that is just like the angel said to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. They said, we proclaim to you good news and great joy to all people. You are not disqualified. We make bad choices. We make mistakes. We aren't always who we're supposed to be. But the message of Christ the gifts of Christ, the gift of God, this for all people. Amen. If you and I have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, that gift is for you. Amen. Those gifts are for you. Yes. Give you an illustration. So we talk about Jesus this Christmas and rediscovering who he is and how he loves us and he gives us good gifts and he cares for us. This illustration is, is true. It's a, a woman. and She uh, was teaching at a Christian preschool. And what she did was she bought 
a plush Jesus, like a stuffed Jesus, right? A plush Jesus. It was a toy and he was happy and he was smiling and he was squishy and cuddly. And so the children would take a hold of him and they would take turns holding him and snuggling him and loving on him, right? Like kids will do with a stuffed animal, but this was Jesus. And parents were offended because they took Jesus and made him into a, a happy, smiling, stuffed animal, right? Don't people get offended about Jesus and how you represent him, even though they don't talk to him all week long. But anyway, uh, they got offended and the parents complained because they were not properly respecting Jesus. They were not giving Jesus the respect he deserved by getting him down in this plushy toy and allowing the kids to get him dirty and smother him with kisses and get dirt on him and germs, right? They were not treating him with respect and the parents complained. And so Charlotte, this teacher, went and um, she knew that the parents were complaining behind her back and so she went to them and she said, which Jesus do you want your kids to know? Do you want him to know the breakable Jesus that sits on a shelf who's always looking down on them? Or the Jesus who is huggable and sits with them on the comfy couch, the one they can talk to, the one that comforts them when they're hurt, the one they can tell all their secrets to. Which Jesus do you and I, are we looking for? Are we expecting? The Jesus that's relatable or the Jesus that is a porcelain figure who sits within the nativity or is the painting on the wall who omnis, uh, you know, stands over us and watches us and is not interested or interacting with us in any way. The Jesus that I serve got dirty. The Jesus that I serve cared so much that he came and gave his life and lived among his people. He shed his, all of his uh, uh, godly throne and riches to come here and live on earth, to be born in a stable and to be a carpenter and get hurt and experience sickness and pain and get dirty. He touched the sick and he touched the dead and he was always around the sinners and the tax collectors and the people uh, that the religious folks rejected. He came to get dirty. And so as you and I are discovering Jesus, as we're discovering the gifts that God has for us, let us not look at Jesus as the one who sets a judgment or is unrelatable, who's unapproachable, who's meaningless. Because many times in our lives, we unconsciously relegate Christ to a shelf or a storage box to only come out for a few days in the month of December. And we treat him with respect. Kids, don't touch Jesus. He's breakable. My great-great-grandmother had that nativity scene. And passed it down. Kids, don't touch. And we treat Jesus with, in this manger, he's become an ornament. And he's become this thing to be passed down from generation to generation. But not in a meaningful way as it relates to a relationship with him. Amen. We've turned him into an idol. Oh. 
to set upon a shelf. And it hurts us ultimately because we don't see him as the God who loves us or who's involved in our lives. It's so hard to believe in something you cannot see. To believe that a God loves you and is there for you when you cannot see him. So it becomes easy to relegate Christ to a manger as a baby or in a picture frame. But forget that he is so much more than that. That seven days a week, 12 months out of the year, he's with us. He's beside us. He loves us and he cares for us. That he is okay with getting dirty. Mm -hmm. He's okay for you to grab like the lady who had the issue of blood, to grab onto the hem of his garment. Mm -hmm. He doesn't clean how dirt, care how dirty you are, how unclean you are. He doesn't care about your past. He doesn't care about what bad decisions you've made in the present. He only cares about your future. Yes. Amen. You're never too sick. You're never too dirty. You're never too sinful to call on Christ. Yes. The prodigal son wallowed with pigs and mud. Yeah. He came home dirty and smelly, and his father still ran to him, hugged him, and loved him. Jesus Christ is not afraid of a little bit of smell, yeah. a little bit of mud, yeah. a little bit of dirt. He is right there in the midst of your pain and your suffering and your tears. It's okay if you cry on him. It's okay if you snot on him a little yeah. bit. It's okay if you hold on to him tight. It's okay. That's what he's there for. He came to die for you so that you could hold on to him tight. So that God seemed approachable. So he didn't seem like some great being that we could never have a relationship with. But with someone that we could relate to. Someone that we could see. Someone that we could talk to. Someone that we could take hold of. Who we knew would always be there for us and cared for us. Who would meet our needs. Who would hold our hand. That's why Jesus came. God became flesh and dwelt among us so that we can know him and be reconciled on our relationship to him. He became human so that humans could cling to him, hold on to him, know him, and experience him. God had to keep man at a distance before the Christ came. He had a veil that was set between him and the people. Amen. But when Christ died on that cross, that veil was ripped in two. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. So that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Yes. Grab onto the hem of his garment and claim the truth and the promises that Christ made. In this world, you will have trouble, but thank God he has overcome the world. He's the light of the world. He's God's gift to the world. And God promises you and I, even if you are in the midst of sin right now, God is there for you. The gift of his son 
is still extended to you. The nation of Israel rebelled against God. The time and time again, they rebelled against God and spit in God's face. And so God finally issued judgment upon them and they were carried off into exile by the Babylonians. A opposing nation took them captive and drug them out of their homes and out of their land. But God rose up a prophet named Jeremiah. Had he said, Jeremiah, I want you to speak to the people. And I want you to tell them this. For I know what I have planned for you. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. When you call out to me and come to me in prayer, I will hear your prayers. When you seek me in prayer and worship, you will find me available to you. And if you seek me with all of your heart and with all of your soul, God made a promise to Israel, even though they had rejected God time and time again, even though they had spit in his face, even though they had chased after false gods and idols, and they had constantly, constantly disrespected God, even though God had punished them, God made a promise to them that the promise of giving them and making them a nation and them being his chosen people was still in place in spite of their sin. Amen. And that he had purposed for them to accomplish what he had set out for them to be and to be who he had declared them to be to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he was going to bring them back home. God made a promise to you. Maybe you feel like you're being punished because you ran away from him, rejected him, because you spent time rebelling against him. As someone who rebelled against God for multiple years, I can tell you, I understand the guilt and the shame and feeling like you deserve what you get. Feeling like, how could God love you? You deserve what you're suffering. That God doesn't care. You don't deserve to be cared about. You don't deserve to be loved. But that's not how God works. Because the Bible says in Psalm 139 that before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you. They had a plan and a purpose for you before you ever took your first breath. He knew every step you would take. He knew every bad decision you would make and every good decision you would make. He knew you would rebel before you ever rebelled. Yet he loved you anyway. Amen. He purposed you anyway. He called you and me anyway. Yes. So it's not too late to call upon him. It's not too late to seek him. It's not too late to rediscover Jesus. To hold on to that gift. It's not too late. You may have run away. But God is saying to you, come back home. You may have never known him. And God is saying to you, come and know me. Taste and see that the Lord, that I am good. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. Let's look at Jesus this season from a different perspective. And if we look at him 
at who he is and what he did. It should encourage us first to repent and secondly to go and tell somebody just like the shepherds, just like the woman at the well. I met a man who knew everything about me but loved me anyways. To tell somebody about Jesus, to tell somebody about a sacrifice, to tell somebody, invite somebody to church, give somebody who's hungry a bite of food, give somebody a hug and a word of encouragement. Go see that neighbor and tell them that Jesus loves them. Call the one, text the one who's hurting and tell them you were thinking about them and you're praying for them. Every time you do, you're sharing Jesus. You're taking him out of the manger. Hallelujah. And you're giving him to somebody else who needs him. You're taking him out of the manger and you're allowing him to be the Lord and the Savior that he came to be. Let us take him out of the manger out of the nativity and share him with this world. Tell everyone. Share him with everyone this season. Because he is the God of everyone and the Savior of all the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He is the God of the rich and the poor. He's the God of the educated and the uneducated. Regardless of your racial, economic, or social status, he's the God of everyone. And Jesus died for everyone. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month, we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach the loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.